Thank you, praise team. What is your big dream for 2018? What, what are you praying that, that God will do in your life? What are you, how are you praying that God will move in your life? Uh, I, I think this, when, when we ask this question, there's, there's the personal level of this. This is what do we want God to do individually in our lives. There's, there's what we want to see God do in, in the lives of our family. Uh, we, we have big dreams. I have big dreams for my family. It's going to be an eventful 2018. We've got another one getting married, and we're trying to find a bride for Spencer. And, uh, <laughs> so it's another big year, and we, we want to see God move in the life of our family. And uh, I'll pay for that later. And... Uh, <laughs> We have big dreams for our family. You have big dreams for your family. And, and, and God has a big dream, I believe, for you and your family and our community and our neighborhoods and where we work and, and God's trying to move. And, and I believe the vision for God for our life is bigger than our own personal vision for our life. That, that when God looks at you and God looks at me, he sees more than even we see in ourselves. And, and so I, I'm praying that in 2018, I will live according to God's vision for my life and not my limited vision for my life. And, and we're praying that for the church on the back wall. I appreciate Sue's prayer team has a board there uh, where, where you can write and you can put things, what you're, you're dreaming of for our church. You know, we're, we're, we're praying together for the, for the next, through this series. We're praying, what is your big dream for Marysville Church of the Nazarene? We, we are... We are linked together through the church. The church is significant. We are the body, and when we use that language, it matters what God does in this place, not just for this place, but for you and your family. And so we're praying, God, give us your big dream for your church. And so we've been talking about that, and, and, and these things don't just happen. You, you, you don't just achieve big dreams. And uh, yesterday we were over at Mount Vernon, watched Jevin play, and Jevin did a great job. And, and, and you see those games, and you see Jevin score in those games, but, but it doesn't just happen in those moments, but it's the secret times in the gym, the shots that he's put up, the work that he's done outside of what we see. And, and it's the same with our big dreams, the things that we want to happen in our life. It'll be in the small things, the details, the, 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 the work the discipline we put in to our spiritual life and our life with God. It'll be in small relationships. It'll be in the small habits that you develop and I develop. Um, your habits of your life can either lead you closer into relationship with God or further from God. And, and so I'm, I'm concerned in my own life that, that the habits that I have in place, the disciplines that, that I undertake are disciplines and habits that lead me closer into relationship, that allow me to lean into God and not lean away from God. And so we've been talking about that. And we, we talked about spiritual disciplines. These are the things we do to, to feed our inner being. Um, the, the, we, we, we've talked about that through our small group. If, if you're not in a small group, we meet after service here. If you'd like to join us, uh, that, that would be great. Watch a video, then we talk. And, and uh, we've been using John Ortberg's The Life You've Always Wanted. It's just been a, a great time of discussion as we've talked about. Last week we talked about celebration and, and solitude. And, uh, and so we've been talking about these things through our small groups. Uh, but, but we're also kind of talking about it in here, but we're not talking about it in the context of what we're receiving, but what we're giving out. I had breakfast last uh, week with Dr. Purdue, our, our resident evangelist, and most of you know Dr. Purdue. I love sitting down and talking to Dr. Purdue. He's such a great man, such a, a great spiritual man and insightful. And he, he said to me, he said, Paul, everything we do leads to holiness. 
And I believe that's true, that, that all that we're doing, all that we're talking about, it's, it's God desires us to live this holy life. And, and this holy life is not just about the Holy Spirit changing me in the inside, but the holiness is God sending me. And so holiness is breathing in and breathing out. If we're to be holy people, we have to take in God and we have to show God. That that somehow holiness means that I have taken enough of God into me that when people see me, as um, Esau or Jacob says to Esau when he sees his brother after many years, I see in you the face of God. <laughs> see, that, that's God's desire for us as a people. That's God's desire for you is that somehow we will breathe him in to such an extent that we can show the face of God other people. And to me, that's what holiness is. It's not just about being a, a consumer of God. It's, it's about being transformed and changed and having the mind of Jesus Christ and somehow God showing through me. Now the spiritual disciplines, they, they, they take these things in. They, 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 and, and the spiritual disciplines are also meant to release us, these things. Spiritual, spiritual disciplines are empty if they're not embodied. In other words, if, if, if all we do is consume the things of God, we become consumer Christians. And I got to tell you, we live in a consumer age. There, there's many consumers of God, and, and it's, it's not a healthy state to be in when, when all it becomes is what will God do for me? What can God do in me? Our prayer life becomes just a long list of God, do this, do that. God becomes our vending machine in heaven. And, and I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that we're not to ask God for things. God invites us to ask for things. But I believe a good part of our life is not only, God, what can you do for me? But God, what can I do for you? <laughs> where, where do you want to release me in your kingdom? See, spiritual disciplines are empty if they are not embodied. And so we've been dealing with how, how do we embody spiritual disciplines? And in other words, how do, we, how do we take this Bible study and somehow how is it released in the way we live our lives? How do we take our prayer life and embody that spiritual life, what God is doing in our life? And, and last week we talked about Sabbath. And, and, and Sabbath, we let go of our constant need for production, our constant need to prove ourselves, and we allow God. We say, God, I can't, but you can't. And this week we're going to talk about thanksgiving and praise. Now, I believe both of these, the, the habit of resting in God and the, and the practice of thanksgiving and praise are essential if we want to really be givers. <laughs> If we want to be generous, if we want to forgive, if we want to serve with right attitude, this ideal of Sabbath, of resting in God, is essential. And that's why we started with that. And until we can stop trying to prove ourselves and prove our own worth and just say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's very difficult to forgive, it's very difficult to serve, it's very difficult to give. And oftentimes, if our attitudes aren't right, it's very difficult to give, serve, forgive, because we have 
a wrong attitude. You know, you, the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. At the Church of the Nazarene, we receive gifts from cheerful and non-cheerful people. Uh, <laughs> check and cash. See, there's an attitude to this. And so thanksgiving and praise are essential to developing attitudes that make it easy, that make it more likely that we will embody the spiritual disciplines, that we will show the face of God. Zig Ziglar would say, used to say, your attitude determines your altitude. I, after the service, uh, Kevin Green came to me and said, you know, you could put spiritual in front of that. And I thought that was pretty good. Your spiritual attitude determines your spiritual altitude. And I don't think there's a lot of truth in what Zig Ziglar is saying there, that, that, that our attitude will drive what we do. That, that, that when, we, when we get a right attitude, it allows us to forgive and give and serve and, and do all those things that, that God is calling us to do for His kingdom. Thanksgiving is an intentional acknowledgement of God's blessing in my life. So, so to be thankful, it's, it's not just, oh, I have a thankful attitude, but thanksgiving is an action. It's something that we do. It's, it's the giving of thanks, and it's intentional, and, and it's something that acknowledges that God is blessing, that God has blessed my life. Now, I believe that, that praise follows thanksgiving, and, and, and we'll unpack this a little bit later in the service, but that I believe praise follows thanksgiving, that thankful people, people who give thanks, naturally flow into praise when they understand where the, who the giver of all good gifts might be. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, here's your, your three-point sermon. I don't usually do three-point sermons, but I'll give you a three-point sermon this morning, okay? And this is God's will for you, okay? Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in everything. You are dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. See, these simple verses, when, when God speaking through his writers is pretty explicit, pretty clear, makes it hard for us preachers to stretch this into a 45-minute sermon, doesn't it? Holy people. Holy people are joyful people. Holy people pray. Holy people give thanks in every circumstance. That is God's dream for us. That is God's call for us. And I think everybody in this room would agree that, that thanksgiving is important. It's a habit that we tried, our parents tried to instill in us, and we tried to instill in our kids. In 2013, we took all three of our boys to Guatemala on a work and witness trip, and one of the things that we wanted to see happen is we, we wanted, them, wanted them to see how people in a third world country might live so they would have an understanding of the blessings under which they live. <laughs> you know, we, we all do those things. We, we want our kids to see... And, and my parents wanted me to see, and your parents wanted you to see, the blessings of life, the things that we have to be thankful for, because thanksgiving is important. 
Thanksgiving is not an action or just an attitude. Thanksgiving is an action that adjusts my attitude. And so so when we give thanks, there is this, this thing within me that begins to see life in a different way. Now, I believe Thanksgiving is a kingdom practice. Like we talked about early in this sermon series, the first week we said giving is a kingdom principle. Well, Thanksgiving is a kingdom principle. And you see as a thread throughout the scripture this ideal of Thanksgiving. Why is it that this kingdom practice, this kingdom thread is practiced so little by us at times? <laughs> that, that we tend to focus on other things. Kingdom people are thankful people. Holy people are thankful people. Why is this important? Why, is, why, why does the gospel writers, why, why does Paul write that in 1 Thessalonians? Why, why is the Old Testament so concerned with thanksgiving? Why is the Bible so concerned with thanksgiving? We live... And perhaps, you know, I, I've not lived in other generations, but, but, but it seems like it's more so in my lifetime. We live in a dissatisfied, discontent age, right? We're, we're, we're bombarded with this ideal that we need more, we need something else, that, that life will not be complete until... And sometimes we live in that way, that, that the, where we're living in life, it, it, it's not sufficient, it's not enough, that, that, that until we get to hear the promise of tomorrow, I will be happy when I'm in my new house, I will be happy when I'm in my profession, I'll be happy when I have kids, I'll be happy when the kids are out of the house, I'll be happy when I'm retired, I'll be happy when... And we live constantly with this ideal of happiness and joy and, and fulfillment being in tomorrow. And it causes us to miss today. That, that God has blessed us with one thing, and it's this moment. It's today. He's blessed us with the relationships of today. And, and that's all you have. And God wants us to live in this moment joyful, thankful, realizing that God is the giver of all good gifts. But when we live with this ideal, this, when, we, when we buy into this cultural norm that, that more, we need more, that, that it's the future that's all that matters, that, that until we get these things, there's no satisfaction, then we end up with anger and greed and bitterness or depression. Amen? That's true preaching, folks. <laughs> and that's where most people live. Most people live with this disappointment because they believe the lie that until there can be no happiness, no joy in the moment. To be thankful, to be truly thankful is countercultural. It's contrary to the way our culture thinks and, and teaches. And it, it's when Paul talks in Romans about being conformed to the world, one of the conforming forces of the world is this ideal of you can't be content in today. Thanksgiving 
releases us from our never-satisfied desire for more. I'll give you another truth. If you always live for more, you will never be satisfied. Because there's always more to get. <laughs> and so when more is the goal, we're left with this hole in the pit of our life that can never be filled. Thankful people, and this is where it begins. Thankful people affirm that God is enough. That, that what God is, how God has blessed me, where God has put me, that the circumstances of my life, God is enough. You, you see this phrase all, all the time in the Old Testament. I don't think you see it in the New Testament. But the phrase is, God is my portion. And, and I love that. Can, can, can you say, God is my portion with me? God is my portion. One of the meanings of that is, God is enough. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else. <laughs> and that's the beginning of Thanksgiving. God is enough. Now, practically, what, what's some things we can take from this? Thanksgiving, number one is this. Thanksgiving is not always a natural inclination and must be intentionally practiced. And I put not always, but probably hardly ever is our natural inclination. There, there may be some people out there, there, there. I know people are different. People have different perspectives. And some of you may be um, positive poly. <laughs> I don't know. And all you see is, is, is positive things. Um, most of us, I think, tend to be more like negative Nelly than positive Polly. Uh, you know, some of us see the glass as half empty. Some of us see the glass as half empty, dirty, and cracked, okay? And so most of us have to work on finding satisfaction and being intentional about the practice of Thanksgiving. But, but it's particularly important that we practice Thanksgiving not just when we feel like it, as a matter of fact, when we do not want to practice thanksgiving, when we do not feel this attitude of being thankful, when the attitude's not there, the action is all the more crucial. The giving of thanks becomes almost attitude life-saving or attitude-saving, that, that we practice it because we realize we don't feel it. Paul writes in Philippians, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, now the context of this passage, Paul's writing and particularly addressing two ladies who are having conflict in the church. And in the, con in the context of conflict, Paul's saying, listen, you need to focus on the better things. That in the midst of this conflict, and, and we've all been there and done that, in the midst of conflict, we, we notice every flaw in that person, right? Not are they dumb, but their nose is big and their ears are big, right? We see every flaw. And Paul's saying in the midst of conflict, it's ever more important that you focus on the good, the right, the pure, the lovely, the positive. And it's true in our, the circumstances of life. When we don't intentionally feel like seeing the good, that is the time we have to work even harder on seeing what is good. 
See, thanksgiving must be based on more than the instant. Um, several weeks ago, Terry and I was driving up Route 4 to Marion, and I don't know what we were doing up there, but we were driving up Route 4, and there's a factory on the uh, on left, and then there's like railroad tracks. You guys know where I'm talking about going up Route 4? And it's a pretty busy area, and, and, and there was a car coming south that was stalled. <laughs> and lines of cars behind him. And I looked in the car, and the guy was just praising Jesus and lifting. No, he wasn't. <laughs> you know, he looked pretty down. And, and I'm not suggesting that when your car stalled on, on I, I-70 and you've backed up track before you have a wreck, that you pull out your prayer journal and start writing things. Your th- I understand that, that maybe that's not going to happen, maybe later in the day. But the circumstances of life the circumstances of life can suck the joy and thankful right out of you. And unless we intentionally practice it. So we we focus on in those moments, we look harder for the blessings in the moment, but we focus on the blessings of the past and the blessings of the future. We say our God is good. Our God has supplied our needs here. Our God will supply our needs in this way. And, and there's coming a day where God's going to, we're going to stand before God and God's going to make all things right. And so we focus on the goodness of our God. Thanksgiving should direct our attention to God. Uh, I, I'm thankful for people. You know, we, we sang good, good father. And I am so thankful every time we sing that that I can think of an earthly father that was good. I know not everybody has that blessing, but, but, but I can think of an earthly father that would give up food if he was starving for us. And it's not hard for me to make that, that leap in my imagination to see my good, good heavenly father. And, and then I'm singing the song, I'm realizing, and if you who are imperfect or evil are good how much more so your heavenly father and it makes me think man if my father my earthly father loved me like my heavenly father how much or more my heavenly father loved me and I begin to realize every blessing of our life comes from him James says, every good gift, every good thing you receive today comes from your heavenly Father. Had water today, took a shower today, had something to eat, had good coffee in the well. It's, it's, it's maybe even too warm in here. <laughs> That's good, though. I will take too warm any day of the week, okay? Okay been so cold. But, but all these things are blessings from God. The seats are comfortable. Uh, you're half asleep. You're getting sleepy. All these things are a gift from God. And, and, and Scripture says, Jesus says, God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the godly and the ungodly. The godly and the ungodly. In other words, the good and the bad. That, that our God is He is just full of grace and goodness and mercy and love and he's just pouring it out on humankind and I don't care if you're 
if you're Christian or atheist or agnostic or Muslim or Hindu or Jewish or whatever you label you go under, our God is pouring blessings on people all over the world because he's just so good. But kingdom people, people who understand, understand that even though we may be thankful for other people in our life, we're more thankful because it all comes from God. Every good thing in your life is from Him. Your job is not because you're so smart. Your job has come from the God who has given you the ability and the opportunity to do what you're doing. And and so Thanksgiving is the beginning of praise. It's where we begin. And and I differentiate worship and reverence and praise and um, We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later, but Psalms 118 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. In other words, the psalmist is saying, My God is so good that He is worthy of praise. See, I kind of differentiate, and, and Amy, you didn't correct me after the first service, so I must be okay here. Theologically, worship and reverence and fear. See, See, our God... Whether he gives us anything is worthy of reverence, awe, and fear. He is holy. He is righteous. He is creator. And if God were to come into this back door, if he ever blessed, never had blessed us in any way, all we could do is fall on our knees and cry holy. Right? You understand that? That that when we come to judgment day and we stand before the throne, the Bible says every knee will bow because God is worthy of worship and reverence and awe. But to me, praise is different. Praise is personal. (laughs) Praise is this realization that this holy, awesome creator God, the one I should fear, the one I should run from, has sent his son to die in my place. And he has rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit so God himself can inhabit me. So so I can enter into the Holy of Holies, not with fear, but with boldness, crying, Abba, Father. That is praise. And thanksgiving is the beginning. I begin to understand that, that God... God himself is my portion, my prize, my reason for living, and he is worthy of my personal praise. (laughs) See, we we get so confused on praise. I think we do. We we get this ideal, God doesn't need your praise. God doesn't need anything. And, And praise is not somehow oh, I'm pleasing God or I'm doing something that God needs. But but praise is an expression of my love to Him. That that in praise, I realize it's love talk. It's it's God has loved me and now I can love Him back. And so praise is relationship building. It's, It's not just something we put up to somehow earn God's pleasure, but it's a recognition of His love and our love back. You know, there's all sorts of resources as, as we try to gear this down. And, you know, there, I, I appreciate all the Thanksgiving posts you see on the internet anymore. And there's different resources on ways you can um, be thankful. And, and, and maybe you struggle with this, maybe you don't. 
But there's three simple things that I would suggest if you struggle with this. Number one, spend time with people who give thanks. <laughs> you know, you, you know who they are. Ortberg talks about, if you, if you did the small group stuff, he talks about um, being joyful and celebrating. And he said there's some people that are good at celebrating and some people that aren't. And he said if it's somebody that's not good at celebrating, maybe you need to stay away from them on the day you're going to celebrate and tell them, listen, I'm celebrating today, so I have to stay away from you. <laughs> I don't think I'd do that. but uh, Maybe you just need to kind of watch who you're with. Um, my, my, my mom talks about a time my, gra- my grandmother was um, old school Nazarene. You know, she never cut her hair, and the one time I saw it down, it scared me half to death how long her hair was. But the, mom talks about grandma getting a call from some lady from the church that was complaining. Uh, I mean, I don't know what she was complaining about, but I guess my grandma Moore was just going, may need to pull the phone away from your ear. You, you may need to pull out of some of those conversations that take you from here to here. People can lift you up or tear down your faith. You realize that, right? People have that ability. And when we allow those things to be spoken into our life, so spend time with people who give thanks. Take time to write thank you notes. And this just isn't about gifts and and giving thanks for for gifts, but but just the things that people do in your life. Create the habit of thanksgiving. And and, and so maybe it's not about, oh, you you sent me, that was such a nice Christmas gift you gave me. But maybe it's about, you know, I want to thank you because I was having a rough day. And, you know, you stopped and you spent time with me. And what, what would happen in your life if once a week you found one person just to send a thank you note, realizing that God had placed them in your life? And then finally, include Thanksgiving in the routine of your devotional life. So in other words, as you read your scripture, you know, thank God that, that he meets all of our needs, that he supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. Thank, thank God for salvation. Thank God for the forgiveness that you experience. We're going to close with um, King of My Heart today, and then Bob's going to come and pray, and then we're actually going to close with doxology. And, uh, you know, this is one of those songs that I've, I've kind of asked Amy to incorporate. Uh, it's a John Mark McMillan song. John Mark wrote How He Loves. And uh, saw this song, or we heard this song. Spencer and I went to um, a week of camp with Dylan at the youth camp in where was that, North Carolina or somewhere? South Carolina, somewhere. And, uh, and this was a song they sang. And, and I, it, it, I liked it then. I really liked it then. And, um, and then we had kind of a, a difficult fall here. Uh, we had Thad and Sarah and Oliver and Otto. And uh, I don't know how you guys deal with that, but I struggled with that. Um, as we walked with them, I think every member of our staff, we just struggled with it. And um, I can't tell you how many times coming home from the hospital, this phrase, you're never going to let me down, was what I sang on the way home. It's a great statement of faith, folks. When you come to the end and when you don't understand all the circumstances of life, there is just this deep-seated thing within me that I can give him thanks because I know he's never going to let me down. So what can you thank God for in your life today? Stand with me. You know, our altars are always available. I don't think this is an 
altar call kind of message, but maybe God's speaking to you. You just need to come and give him thanks at an altar. Uh, we're going to sing this song, and then um, Bob's going to lead us in prayer. Lord, help us uh, just to not just sing these words, but to, to acknowledge the goodness of you. In Jesus' name we pray. At the key.